You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. We are spiritual exiles. We need to see ourselves as different than the culture. And you're right. The first two are, you know, are we going to be revolutionaries? Are we going to try to overthrow the government? Or are we going to just cave in and submit ourselves to the culture? But the third way is being transformed. And I think that's the key to living in spiritual exile is allowing God to transform our minds, transform our lives so that we can continue to live His way, not the culture's way or our way. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. Today, joined by two special guests, Paulina and Jose. Thanks for being here, y'all. This is fun. We kicked off a new series this past Sunday called Peace in Exile, studying the prophets. I'm excited about it. And this past Sunday, Jose, you kicked it off. So I'd love for you to kind of give us a not only just a recap and kind of your thoughts heading into the message, but even just setting up the series as a whole. Yeah, so I... Prayed at the beginning of the year and received the word peace for 2020. This was in January of 2020, and this year has not been very peaceful. So looking at how to close 2020, um, we're going to look at this word peace and what it really means, especially as believers. When we have peace in Christ, that allows us to traverse and journey through chaotic external circumstances with internal peace. So John 16, 33 is the theme verse. Jesus is saying, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So looking at peace, thinking about how to how to really talk about it, the second theme that I really love and I've enjoyed learning more about this theme in the Bible of the exile. So looking at how the prophets both were strict and brought about accusations and warnings and also brought hope and allowed us to see, you know, there is a plan here through this hard time. And the exile was a very hard time for the Israelite people. And so given the fact that we are spiritual exiles, we're not physical exiles. Many of us, especially here in this country, we've never been kicked out, which would be a cool question. Let me just ask you right now, have you ever been kicked out of anything? Have y'all ever been kicked out of something? No, no, no expulsions from school? No, but... I feel like as a teenager, we got kicked out of the movie theater. There you go. There you go, Exiled Taylor. Exiled from the movies. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's it. No, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Taylor I got always kicked. follows the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the prophet. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I got kicked out of a few things in my life. And I remember feeling abandoned, feeling um, condemned, feeling shamed. But God doesn't just leave us you know, even in our personal sin, he doesn't leave us abandoned. He continues to pursue mm-hmm. us and wants us to be restored back into right relationship with him, which is what really peace is all about. So that's that's a little bit of a recap, I think, of where this series came from. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to actually start by talking about peace. And I love kind of the quote that uh, you had seen on social media where you talked about how rest does not bring peace, but peace brings rest. And so I'd love to just maybe get both of y'all's takes on that as far as kind of the difference in your own mind and how you've been able to kind of see that just in practicality. I've actually been thinking about that a lot since Sunday because it is so true that we can 
try to rest in a lot of ways and it still feels like nothing's ever enough. And then versus when you actually receive peace from a right relationship with God and from the security and freedom that comes with that. Um, when you receive that peace from God that comes with being in right relationship with Him and that security that He's in control, then when, like I think about physical rest, when I physically rest and take Sabbath, it's really fulfilling because it's not the source of peace, but out of the overflow of peace. Yeah, that's really good. I think connecting it to the creation order too. God worked really, really hard Mm. first six days and He was you know, content with the product. He was pleased. He said it was good after Mm -hmm. he created everything. And then he rested and everything was in order then. And I do think that whenever I have a good week, a week where lots has gone right, it's easier to rest. Mm -hmm. It's harder to rest when things have not gone well. But yet this verse, John 16, 33, allows me to really find that peace, not in my doing or in my work or whatever, but finding it in who I am in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And once I plug a or, or release, plug into him and, and after I release a hard week to him, then I can truly find rest mm-hmm. and rest, <clears throat> excuse me, I think looks different for all of us. Rest doesn't, for me this season, rest looks very different than it did before I had kids. Rest mm-hmm. looks really different uh, whenever I'm you know, somewhere else, but it's still rest because I'm good with God. And that's the most important mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and I think it's maybe a little cliche, but the COVID example that we experienced just all throughout the spring and summer where every single plan that pretty much anyone had was canceled. Yeah. And so you find where now all of a sudden there's plenty of time to rest. And for years, I think myself included, it's like where it's like, oh, I just need to you know do less and do less. And then all of a sudden you have months where you're not doing anything, but how much of that was actually peaceful right. because it was right. just like, so realizing that the absence of events and, you know, chores and tasks doesn't necessarily, you know, Being bring rest. about peace. Right. And so I thought that was something that I could uh, relate to. I'd love to kind of talk more about the exile and the video, uh, Jose, that you mentioned about from the Bible project kind of had mm-hmm. two different, or really kind of three uh, different uh, ways about this. One is kind of where the people uh, rose up and, and wanted to revolt against mm-hmm. kind of the uh, oppressive culture just surrounding them. And then the other was the ones that were caved in and submitted, but then there was this kind of middle ground here. And so um, the video you showed on Sunday kind of left it as a cliffhanger about how do we do that? How do we live in that kind of that middle ground? So I'd love for to hear both of y'all's kind of takes on kind of practically where have you seen that as far as when we live in this spiritual exile as you shared earlier. So I think that's a good connecting point to where we left off two Sundays ago. We read 1 Peter 2.11. I just pulled it up right here. Uh, Peter saying, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So Peter's telling us that we are spiritual exiles. We need to see ourselves as different than the culture. And you're right. The first two are, you know, are we going to be revolutionaries? Are we going to try to overthrow the government and and try to um, 
ask them to submit to our way of life or are we going to just cave in and submit ourselves to the culture and really be conformed so that transformed versus, or, or that's conformed and then maybe oppressed. But the third way is being transformed. And, and I think that's the key to living in spiritual exile is allowing God to transform our minds, transform our lives so that we can continue to live his way, not the culture's way or our way. Mm. Yeah, I think what you said about the prophets bringing about hope and warning it reminds me of that, that when it's God's message and to transform me in the world around me, it's neither all one way or all the other way, mm-hmm. but it's both. I think that's a good personal mm-hmm. check because it's hard to see things maybe that you want to change or want to be different or acknowledge that we are far from God and not want to just take it over, like you said. And then mm-hmm. also for me, it's like, well, then if I can't do that, then I just won't do anything. And I think both of those things being present is a good indicator for me yeah. of God's message in my mm-hmm. life. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. And uh, one more thing just on this exiles piece when we talk about the prophets and just kind of their role. Uh, Jose, you mentioned there were kind of three things that the exile teaches us just even in our current day where you said that um, this world, first, this world is not our home. Second, it warns us of sin that separates us. And then three, it reminds us of, of God's faithfulness. So uh, I'd love to put y'all both on the spot and just kind of see amongst these three, uh, what are some ways you practically kind of remind yourself? I was just talking to my community group last night about how often Ooh, I good. struggle with uh, just even reminding myself that this world is not my home because when I wake up, that's not my first thought. My my first thought is what I've got to get done and, and my own little individual world inside this bigger world. And so have y'all found any kind of helpful, practical ways of being able to remind you these three? You know, when things are good, it's easy to forget. But when things are hard, that's when I uh, start remembering that this world is not my home. So when there are trials, when there are hard times, when there is confusion and chaos, that's when I really, you know, hold true to this is not it. This is why things are the way they are is because we're not created to live here forever. This is just a season of our existence as spiritual beings. Um, and then, yeah, with the warning, um, again, that's the conforming. We don't want to conform to the world. And so the warning is don't do that. Don't be like the world and, and remember that God's got a message of hope. God continues to, to, to show up faithfully in, in our lives and has definitely in the storyline of scripture. And so that brings me hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think remember, for me, remembering that that longing for things to be better really is hope and points to the longing for to be reunited with God forever Mm -hmm. in eternity and even for God to restore a new heaven and a new earth. And anyway, for me, that's like what I use to remember that that longing is natural and good. And I think it's a consequence of just our fallen world and wanting more. And just this morning, practically, I was thinking how I was going to I was praying this morning and I have a list of the people I was trying to make sure to pray for this Mm -hmm. morning. And I right away just started and then I felt God kind of push back on like to be thankful and to remember and to start there. I think on that third point of reminding us of God's faithfulness, I think I really just have to pause and remember and look back, even just looking back to the day before or the week before. And that always fuels the 
or at least helps me receive peace that God mm. is faithful and he was yesterday and an hour ago and in the hardest times in my life he's faithful and when I just pause and remember that just gives me that peace to be able to know that that's sure for good. the present and the future. It's really good. Yeah, that's really good. I'd love to kind of start talking about Jeremiah because we're going to be seeing a lot of different prophets, which I'm excited about because it's been a while since I've uh, been to Sunday school. Yes. So, Jose, you picked Jeremiah. So, I'd love to kind of get your thoughts on why Jeremiah and then just kind of the significance of kicking off a series talking about the warning and his hope. Mm-hmm. So, Jeremiah lived. So, the two reasons why I chose him is time and passion. When the time that he lived and, and just the passion that he exhibits throughout an incredible book. He's one of the major prophets. There's a lot in there. Uh, you do have to continue flipping pages to find the hope because there are a whole, there's a whole lot of, lot of warning and accusation. But he lived um, before, right before the exile, and then he actually experienced the exile to the point that he wrote a letter to the exile. So he's not like Isaiah who lived way before the exile and then prophesied everything as it happened. And so Jeremiah actually lived it. And I think that's what gave him the ability to show the amount of passion that he did, not only towards the people of God, and not only did he say, hey, guys, this is true. Like, listen to me. If you continue to go down this path, you will be brought out of this land. You will be punished. It's not God punishing you. It's the consequences of your sin. God made a promise to you. And in that promise, if we do not hold true to that covenant, then there's a consequence. And so Jeremiah was super, you could read the emotion, but he also showed emotion to God and and asked God and questioned God, why are you allowing this to happen? And God kindly and also strongly reminds Jeremiah throughout that book, not only that he he is being faithful to his covenant, but that he's also making a new covenant. And so Jeremiah 31 is huge in terms of understanding this old versus new covenants that Jesus came um, to, to inaugurate and fulfill. So long answer to why I chose the amazing weeping prophet, Jeremiah. That's awesome. That's really good. And I think touching on that, I'd love to kind of try to apply that just in our own lives when it comes to when we are seeing those that we love around us that are just not doing what's best for them. How do y'all kind of do that balance? This will be probably something we talk about for the next few weeks, but how do you balance that, that showing the truth, speaking the truth in love? Uh, especially when there's just so many emotions. I think of people close to me that I can get more emotional about watching the way that they're living their lives than just a random person that I don't know. Normally I'm an optimist and normally I really see the bright side of everything almost to a fault. I've been called by some rather naive, which at first I thought was really offensive, Mm -hmm. but now I take it as a compliment because I, in a way I want faith. Faith is naive. Mm -hmm. We don't see what good is gonna happen. And that is a gift that we have. When we have that type of faith, it should uh, not only enrich us, but bless others. So anyway, that's one thing. But when it comes to the people that are closest to me, I'm more, I'm more, I'm more of a realist. And so I've grown a lot in the way that I confront and, and speak the truth in love. And I, I've messed up. I've, I've, I've come way hard with judgment and, you know, I've been right, but I've been dead right where I haven't really done it well and done that person well, given that person the benefit of the doubt. And so I've learned a lot through, um, you know, the, how to live in that tension of 
confronting in love and, and bringing things up, but also learning that God is full of grace and he is the redeemer. It's not my job to make somebody or fix somebody. I want to be used by God. But I'll tell you, the, 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 I've learned how to do it by the way that it's been done to me. And I have been blessed with people since, well, my parents, but also when I turned 18 and gave my life to Christ, continual warning saying, hey, don't do that. This is not gonna end up in a good way. And I'm super grateful for those um, flashing signs of stop in my life. Yeah, I. it's so, it's really hard. It's a heavy thing to see people you love not do what's best for them. And I think of, I, that always makes me think, I always think that about the prophets because it's a heavy burden to see God's message for the people and to also watch the people not obey. Yeah. That's pretty, I don't know, that's just heavy. That's the word I keep thinking. I think that's what it's like for us as people that we love are not doing what we see is God's best for them. And for me, what I do is because I can go into frustration and just what you said too about like being dead right and kind of for me throwing things in people's face and I just don't want to go there. That's not right either. I know that. But I think for me, it's remembering that People, like you said, have been really patient with me, mm-hmm. and it's never been a list of the things I'm doing wrong that has caused me to turn, but it's always people's kindness and mm-hmm. God's kindness that leads has led me to repentance. And I think knowing that people even shared what was right with me and then saw me not get it probably, and in the moment I didn't see it, you know, but right. then seeing that eventually though God used that to stir that in me and to teach me and to help me understand and to know that people just walked with me without constantly being like, remember, you're not, you shouldn't be doing that or you shouldn't be thinking that or you should be over this, but that people just spoke the truth and then just walked with me. Mm. I think that's a good reminder because that's what I want to do is not, I do want to speak the truth and give warning, but I also think the grace and the hope is just walking with people. Yeah, that's really good. I think the only thing I can think of just adding to this uh, as we close is just even the idea that uh, the patience required of these prophets as we're going to read more and more and just God's people continually uh, either ignoring or just continuing to just you know not do what's best for them. And I think about not only the grace that people have given me in my life, but just even just how these prophets have been persistent and patient this whole time advocating for them and uh, and not in like an unhealthy way where there's a sense of um, codependency or this sense of like, you've just, I've got to control you and, and fix you, but, but just in the sense of wanting what's best for them and just continually uh, emotionally weeping on their behalf. I think that's something that for me, it's easy for me to just uh, try maybe once or twice and then just be like, okay, whatever you do you. And so I think to just have that, uh, that right posture uh, for wanting what's best for them and that continual love, uh, regardless of kind of what they do the first, second, or even third time. So this is all good stuff. Jose, we're going to continue. We're not done with this series, just kicking it off. Oh, yeah. uh, do you want to kind of give us just a vision for what you see going into the next few weeks as we close up today? Well, I'm excited because I've been speaking a lot. And so I'm done speaking for a few weeks. Actually, next week, uh, Sean is speaking and then 
Um, point being is I'm excited that we're gonna hear from different speakers, different prophets. And I think the Holy Spirit will teach us something new every time. All the prophets are different. Some prophets were exemplary, Jeremiah, Isaiah, other prophets had attitude problems. And so it's cool to see how God uses normal people for his purposes. And I think that hopefully we'll be able to strike that balance of both grace and truth, realistic optimists, and learn how to live that way as well. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.